0: Okay, if you have your Bibles, we will be in 2 Corinthians. Uh, Two weeks ago, Mike was in chapter 1, and if you remember, Paul was uh, teaching on God's comfort and our response to that comfort. Uh, Last week, Jared was in chapter (coughs) 2, and Paul uh, taught on forgiveness and restoration towards a repentant person. Uh, So that's how we find ourselves in chapter 3. So uh, if you go ahead and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, And in chapter 3, Paul is now going to turn his attention uh, to the glory of God's new covenant. Um, In the Bible, several different places all over, Christians uh, have been compared to many different things. Uh, They've been compared to branches on a vine, sheep in a flock, lights in a dark world, uh, salt which flavors and preserves. Uh, Here in chapter 3, Christians at the church in Corinth are compared to epistles or written letters. Uh, In just a little bit, we're going to read here, Paul uh, calls them letters, uh, the people there. Now, letters that we know of, which hardly get used anymore, uh, people don't write paper letters. They do email, and you see the little envelope there. But letters, there's, there's many different kinds of letters. Letters carry messages. They carry information. Uh, from one person to another, from one person to a group, uh, from one person to a world. (laughs) Uh, There's different um, ways now um, with technology and everything, how we communicate. Um, But there's different kinds of letters. There are friendly letters, thank you letters, letters of congratulations, letters of sympathy, letters of love. Uh, There's also letters of announcement like when baby Judah was born, sleeping back there. Um, There's letters of recommendation. I write letters of recommendation all the time uh, at my job at school. Kids will come ask me. They have portfolios that they have to create. Or kids will try and get a job. Hey, Mr. Persley, can you write me a reference letter? Yep, you bet. Um, There's letters of instruction. Uh, There's also demanding letters. There's threatening letters. There's critical letters that carry very, very important and vital information, and there's also dead letters. Uh, Dead letters are, um, if you've ever gotten, well, if you've ever sent a letter, and some of us probably have not, but if you've ever sent a letter and you got it back, you get that little hand with the finger, and right here it says, return to sender, uh, that's because the address on there was incorrect. It was uh, messed up in some way. Uh, Wrong number, wrong street, wrong zip code, whatever, and it was not able to be um, delivered to that person. But Christians are meant to be living letters, and living letters of Jesus Christ, bearing a message of God's love and grace to the world. That's what kind of letters we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be living letters. Uh, So, that little start there, let's go ahead and begin with... uh, uh, the first couple of ver- first three verses there in uh, one Corinthians chapter three, it says, and this is Paul speaking here. He says, "Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or do we need, as some others, epistles or letters of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink." but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh. That is of the heart. Paul begins this uh, section with some kind, somewhat of a uh, sarcastic question to the church in Corinth. Um, you see, there were false teachers there making statements to the Corinthians. They were trying to discredit Paul. Paul was doing a great work there. God was using him uh, daily there. And there were people there that... Didn't like that, just like their people in our time now. They, they don't like churches. They don't like people uh, telling others about God's love. And so they will say things. They'll make up things. Uh, and that's what was happening to Paul back then. Um, now, back then it was word of mouth. Uh, now it's much easier to communicate with people. <laughs> and uh, we have this wonderful invention called uh, Facebook Facebook which I think everything on there is true, right? Um, (laughs) But, uh, and Facebook is good. Uh, It it can be, but it can also be, and just like everything else, it can be used for for negative and for bad. You know, uh, people have free reign on there to say whatever they want uh, without repercussion, kind of like uh, back there in Paul's time. They would say things about Paul, whatever they wanted. They would say, make up things uh, to discredit him to try and destroy the church, and um, so Paul is saying, um, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase, he's saying to them sarcastically, you know who I am, you know me, I'm, I'm Paul, do I really need to, do we need to start this all over again, and do I really need to explain to you and show you who I am, you know, he's saying, no, you know who I am, um, Do do I really need a letter of recommendation on my character? You know, no, I know who I am. And I think what Paul is trying to convey to them uh, is to ignore all the false teachers, to ignore them, to ignore all their lies that were being told and just trust God for the work that God was doing in the church and the work that he will continue to do. Now, sometimes that's really hard to ignore what people say. They may make something up about somebody and say something, especially somebody who's in authority or who's in power. Um, And, you know, kind of our human nature goes, hmm, is that true? Could it be true? Is part of it true? You know, and right there, we've gotten off track just a little bit. And that's really what the goal is of the enemy. He is there to distract and to take away our focus and to discredit the people in authority, um, so that he can do his work, uh, which is opposite and anti to God's work. And um, Paul there says, um, "You are an epistle or a letter," and that I believe that's in verse three. Um, not some letter written on paper. Um, it's also going to talk about on stone, which we'll get to that a little bit later on. It's talking about the Ten Commandments. But he said, you're an epistle or a letter of Christ. Not a letter written on paper, but Christ has written on our hearts. And um, really, God, God wants to change us from the inside out. Your heart is, your heart is what he wants. One of the things that uh, Dana and I try to do with our kids uh, whenever they're, if they're having a disagreement or an argument or they're upset with each other or something's happening um, and they are communicating with each other in a less than loving way, I guess we could say. <laughs> and, and and I have a brother, he's 11 months younger than me and we, now we're tight, but boy, back when we were 13 and 14, it was, uh, we went after each other all the time. And the funny thing now, I think about this, my mom, if we were in the house and we were going at it, she didn't care we were going at it. The only thing she was concerned about was something getting broken. She just said, "Take it outside, boys <laughs> she didn't care she didn't care- i mean I say she didn't care. I know she cared, but she was more concerned with something getting broken than than what we were doing with each other. She just said, "Take it outside, boys, and we would go outside uh and uh uh, nothing ever got broken, but uh, we did take it outside. So, but uh, <laughs> I said all that to say, um, when our kids, you know, if they are, uh, Lily and Steven, if they have a, a disagreement or an argument, um, the way they communicate with each other, we really, you know, we'll sit them down and talk to them and say, hey, the most important thing is your heart. You know, yes, you may have a disagreement with your brother, with your sister, whatever it is. You can communicate that. You can convey that in a loving way. There is no need for bitterness or anger or you got me, so I'm going to get you, but I'm not just going to get you. I'm going to get you better so that you don't ever get me again. You know, And that's how the world is if you see stuff going on. Uh, nobody gets even anymore. It's always plus one, always. Um, but we really try and talk to them and say, hey, Understand you guys are upset with each other, and that's fine. That's going to happen. That's how life is. But where's your heart at? Yes, you can love your brother. You can love your sister. But your heart has to be in the right place when you're talking. Get through whatever it is. We can talk about it. We can sit down, and we can fix it. But it's more important that your heart is in the right place when you have that disagreement, when you're trying to get through something, when you're trying to uh, come to an agreement uh, on something. Your heart is what matters. And that's what um, Paul is, is trying to tell them here. God wants our heart. He wants your heart. Um, he wants to change you from the inside out. And that's what we tell our kids. That's the most important thing. And I think that's what Paul is trying to tell them. Um, yes, you can change on the outside. You can act and show people how you are. But God sees you on the inside. And he knows how you really are. And that's what he wants. He wants your inside. Because if you change your inside, your outside will change with it. Um, in, in these first three verses, Paul was just uh, affirming to them that they, that they are and should continue to be living letters. Um, and in the same way, we should also try to be living letters. We, want, we should be living letters to our family, to our community, to the surrounding areas. Um, God wants us, he wants our hearts, he wants to change us from the inside out so that we can be a letter or an email or a Facebook post (laughs) uh, to let our light shine, his light shine through us to others, to our family, to the community, to people around us. All right, moving on to verse four. Verse four says, and we have such trust through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Paul begins this section, uh, this paragraph of chapter three, by addressing his trust in Christ from a minister's perspective. Um. He's saying his trust, Paul's trust in God, gives him the confidence to be a minister. Now, I'm sure we've all known different ministers from our life, different churches we've gone to, uh, maybe different um, speakers you've seen on TV, on the internet, wherever. A true minister is someone who knows that they are not capable on their own to lead, to teach. As soon as somebody gets to the point where they say, hey, you know what, I'm pretty good at this, I know this, I can do this, you know, I can do this. Me, myself, I can do this. Um, that's, That's where the enemy has an opportunity. That's where he can step in. And we are so fortunate and we are so thankful here at A.V. Chapel that we have Mike. I've had lots of conversations with Mike. And Mike knows that his sufficiency, his confidence, his ability to teach comes from God. Every time he gets up here and talks, I know I have confidence that he is putting his full trust in God to give him the words to say, how to say it the right way to, to approach different topics and everything. I know that, that Mike has gone to, gone to God in prayer and asked him for wisdom, asked him for guidance, asked for him to be his sufficiency uh, to be able to do this. Uh, this is uh, I've done this a few times, and just, <laughs> just the few times I've done this, uh, I've really gotten a greater uh, appreciation and a greater respect uh, for what Mike does Every single Sunday. Except for the last two. He kinda had a baby. <laughs> Actually Kelly had the baby, but um uh and but I'm also thankful for this opportunity to be able to do this. Um but we're so we're so blessed here at A V Chapel to have somebody like Mike. Um and, and and that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, I don't I can't do this on my own. This is not a me thing, this is not a Paul thing. Uh when I talk to you, um uh as a church uh, in Corinth, as I talk to you, I'm I'm saying the words, but all of that is coming from God. He has given me wisdom and direction to tell you what to do, how to do, to instruct you. Instruct you. Uh, earlier um, in uh, First Corinthians, He was even correcting them and kind of punishing them a little bit, saying, "Hey, we shouldn't be doing this stuff. You know, this is our focus here. Quit ignoring what they're doing. Quit ignoring what they're saying. That city." Yes, there's corruption there. Ignore that. Here's what we should be doing. He even kind of corrects him there, but he's saying it's not for me; it's from God. God has told me. God has instructed me to tell you this. Um, but the key phrase there is sufficient. God is sufficient, uh, and that's sufficient for everything. Uh, in John fifteen five, it says, "I am the vine; you are the branches." Here's another that comparison again. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for, and this is the important part, for without me, and this is God saying, for without me you can do nothing. And that's true. We can't. Now the enemy will tell you, yeah, you can. You can do that. It's not a big deal. It's not hard. You know, you can do whatever you want. It's not that big a deal. He'll tell you that every day. Some way, some shape, some form, he'll try and get that message to you um but god as god is sufficient for mike to minister uh he is also sufficient for us to minister and there's many different ways you can minister you can minister by teaching but you can also minister by picking up the phone and making a phone call to somebody hey how you doing what's going on taking somebody a meal helping them uh move if they're if they're moving houses whatever There's many different ways just to pray for somebody. You know, somebody's on your heart, God puts somebody in your heart, you can pray for them. But God will give you what you need to minister to people if you seek after him. And that's kind of the click kicker there, okay? The word if, if you seek him. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15.10, it says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And he's just saying, by God's grace, because of his grace, not because of anything he's done, Paul, not because anything I've done, but because of God's grace, I am who I am. He's made me who I am today because I am seeking after him. I am abiding in him. Ephesians 3, 7 says, uh, Ephesians 3 verse 7 says, Of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of, of his power. And Paul is saying. God has given me this gift. And he's given us all gifts. Um, but he's given me this gift. And by God's grace. I'm going to use this a gift. Th- I'm going to use this gift. To be an effective working power. For him. That's Paul that's Paul's saying. He goes that's what I'm going to do. I'm a minister. He's told me to do this. But only because. On, the only reason I'm doing this. Is because he's told me to. I've abided in him and he is giving me what I need to be able to do this. God will give you what you need to carry out what he wants. And I'm going to say that again. God will give you what you need to carry out what he wants. All we have to do is abide in him. Seek after him. Seek after his will. And he will be sufficient. Right at the end of the paragraph, uh, Paul's touching on the new covenant. The new covenant uh, is that being that Christ died for all of us. God sent his son to take our place. His blood was shed for our sins. His death on the cross gives us the opportunity for eternal life. It's a free gift. We, have to do, we don't have to do anything to earn it. There's nothing we can do to earn it. All we have to do is accept him and ask. Uh, I think Romans 10:8 through 13 says it really good. Verse 8 says, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. Here's the heart again. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord overall is rich to all who call upon his name. For whoever, and this is verse 13, and this really sums it up. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't say if you live in Pilate Knob and you call on God, you'll be saved. If you live in this kind of uh, neighborhood or this house or if you're six feet tall or if you're, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say, if you've lived a good life, if you've been a good person, and you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. It doesn't say that. It's about eight, no, about ten words. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I love that verse. It's full of power and, and promise. Okay, moving on to verse 7. Verse 7 says, But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious... So that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? Uh, and there's a lot of glorious in there and countenance and things like that. Uh, but what it is, this is taking us back to the Old Testament. This is when Moses was commanded by God. God told him, hey, I want you to take two stones. I want you to hew them up. To make two tablets. I want you to take these tablets up to the mount, top of Mount Sinai. Okay. Get this done. Meet me up there. We're going to have a talk. <laughs> uh, so of course Moses. Uh, follows God's instructions. Heads up to Mount Sinai. With the, with the two uh, tablets. Spends time with God up there on the mountain. And God inscribes. He inscribes. Uh, not Moses. But God inscribed on the tablets. Uh, the Ten Commandments. But. Um, when it was talking in verse seven, it says the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses, and here's why. Um, when Moses came down off the mountain after he had been with God, been talking with God, God inscribed the the Ten Commandments on the tablets, when he came down from the mountain to present the Ten Commandments to his people, Moses didn't know that God had made his face shining, glowing, okay? I don't think it was from a sunburn, um, even though they were out there in the desert, I th- <laughs> I really think, and I know that God had because He had spent time, Moses had spent time with God. God was making His face glow because He was about to deliver a message, these Ten Commandments, to His people. Now, if you can imagine Moses walking towards you, holding two two stone tablets, which that you know that really wouldn't be out of the ordinary. That wouldn't be crazy. I I would say, um, and you see writing on there. You say, oh, that's pretty neat. Moses, you know, you're bringing back these tablets, but then you, you, you work your way up to pass his shoulders to his head. Moses, your head is, your face is glowing. Uh, well, what, what's, what's up, you know? Um, so imagine the people seeing this, you know, I, I was trying to envision that myself. If I was going to have a, a, a talk with somebody and their face was glowing, not, like I said, not from a sunburn, but I thought, you know, what, how would I react? You know, How would I react to that? Um, but like I said, when Moses came down off the mountain, his face was shining. And in Exodus 34, 29 through 30, it says, Now it was so, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hands when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that his skin on his face shone while he talked to them. Verse 30 says, So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. That would be a little different back then, (laughs) to have your face shining. I'm sure now there's some kind of technology, some kind of something somebody could make, a shirt you put on that would shine lights on your face. I'm sure we could do that now with our technology, and that probably really wouldn't be that weird of a thing to happen now. Uh, but but back then, uh, I'm sure that people were kind of in awe and saying, what's going on? Now, why did God do that? I'm not really sure. I'm thinking that he's doing that to get people's attention. <laughs> so they could say, okay, Moses is about to say something. His face is shining. I'm going to listen. <laughs> what's he going to say? Uh, um, but back in, in verse 7 and 8 uh, of of chapter 3, Paul is saying here in verse 7 and 8, He's talking about the glory of when Moses presented the 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 Ten Commandments to his people, and he was saying how glorious of a time that was. You know, he's got these tablets, his face is shining, the people I'm sure were in full 100% attention, and they're just looking at him. What's he going to say? How glorious of a time that was back then, and and what Paul is saying. If it was a glorious, awe-inspiring time when the Old Covenant was delivered, can you just possibly fathom how much more glorious of a time it will be with the New Covenant? I mean, these were just rules inscribed on a stone, but now we have the New Covenant, which is, Christ sent his son for us to die all we have to do is accept him ask him for forgiveness and call on his name and we're saved and that's it how awesome is that that's all I have to I don't have to do anything else I don't have to walk this straight line or do these 10 steps or anything all I have to do is that wow how awesome is that and so I think that's kind of what Paul is trying to say there um and in verse 9 through 11, this is just kind of, Paul is just confirming this here. So let's read 9 through 11. It says, For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was what was made glorious had no glory in this respect, because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. And there's a whole bunch of glories and gloriouses and and, uh, and things in those verses 9 through 11. But let's see here. Verse 11, I think verse 11 can be a little um, challenging to try to understand. And so I'm going to attempt, my, take, take an attempt here to try and help uh, with that. It says, for if what, which is the old covenant, for if what is passing away or being replaced, um, was glorious, so if they're saying if the old covenant was glorious, what remains, which is the new covenant, is much more glorious. Um, think of it this way, the Ten Commandments, um, Moses brought that, and that was a way to instruct the people, hey, here's, here's the Ten Commandments, here's what here's how you should live your life, you need to follow these, you need to, your life needs to encompass these Ten Commandments. Moses was instructed to share those with his people and they were instructed to live accordingly. And while the new covenant replaces the old in that we now establish a relationship with Christ, we establish a relationship with him by accepting his death on the cross as payment for our sin and ask him to be the Lord of our life. In doing so, our relationship with him should be one that loves him with all of our heart, our soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. Now... Should we just ignore the Ten Commandments since we now have forgiveness of our sins? I think we touched a little bit on that in the last couple of weeks. Absolutely not. No, we're not. Just because we, yes, we can ask for forgiveness of our sins, we don't need to say, okay, I've got the Ten Commandments here. Which ones do I really need to follow? Which ones can I kind of get around? You know, um, no, absolutely not. Um, our relationship, the New Covenant, our relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ, should be one that honors the old covenant and all that that entails, uh, and I think that is that is where we should take our um, take the new covenant and our relationship with that, and 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 bring that old covenant with that and just put it all together. Um, verse twelve in chapter three says, "Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech." Now our hope salvation my hope is salvation i'm completely confident in that because no one has to earn their salvation all anyone has to do is accept him as your lord and savior because this invitation is to everyone meaning no one no one is excluded we can boldly proclaim god's new covenant and the love and grace and mercy that comes with it You can go down the street. You can call your friend on the phone. You can talk to your family when you're eating lunch, wherever, and you can tell them boldly, hey, Christ died for you just like he did for me, just like he did for everybody. He loves you just like he loves me. All you got to do is ask him. All you have to do is repent of your sins and ask him into your life. That's all you have to do. It's that simple. When things are complicated, really complicated, Sometimes people have a, a hard time conveying or trying to tell somebody or teach somebody about something. Uh, my dad is an electrical engineer for 25 years at McDonnell Douglas. Um, he tried to teach me electrical engineering when I was a little kid. Uh, I, tried, I tried to help him on some, some side projects that we did. And while I could do what he asked me, I didn't really understand what I was doing he did he had that in his head I was just connecting points with wires and stuff like that Um, and it was um, um, my dad did side jobs and so I had these little circuit boards and he would lay down a little piece of paper there and he would say okay I need you to connect all these points they're little metal gold tip pins and I would take wires and connect them from each one if I got the whole board done and I did it correctly I got a dollar So, now, I think it took me about two or three hours (laughs) to do that, and if I didn't do it right, then, you know, of course the board wouldn't work. Uh, It it was a circuit board that had to plug in somewhere, and so if I didn't do it right, well, don't get paid, and so, but I didn't understand how it worked, but I knew how to do it, okay? I couldn't explain to somebody, hey, here's how electrical, uh, here's how this works. I just know that the wires communicate they send communication and so I would not feel confident in any way to be able to explain that to anybody so I wouldn't I wouldn't do that and especially back then I I couldn't stand to be embarrassed I tried I did everything I could in my entire life to stay away from circumstances that might cause me to get embarrassed or to be in a situation where I couldn't carry on a conversation and talk with people um I really had a hang up with that, and thank the Lord I don't anymore. Uh, sometimes I probably talk too much, but, um, <laughs> but back then especially, and so I did not feel confident talking about that, and so I wouldn't, and so that is why I'm so thankful that God's plan is so simple for us. It's not a complicated plan that has 47 million steps that you have to memorize and do in order to be saved. And we don't have to explain 47 million steps to our family, to our friends, to somebody on the phone or on Facebook or whatever. It's really simple. And because it's simple, we can be bold. You can be confident and say, here's how it is. Here's, how, here's God's plan for salvation. Here it is, right here, this simple. And that's something that I'm working on in my life, to be more bold, to be more confident. And I know that I can when I know that that God is sufficient for me and he has everything and will give me everything I need to carry out what he wants. Um, Verse 13, going on to verse 13, it says, unlike Moses, and we're um, talking about being bold and confident, unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. Now whenever Moses would relay uh, to the people of Israel what God had said to him, he would excuse me, he would wear a veil to cover his face, because his face would always shine whenever he delivered God's word to the people of Israel. Uh, then after he would deliver that message, uh, God's message to his people, then Moses would go away and remove the veil, and then he could talk with a normal face to the people. Um, but Paul is saying, "Be bold. Go and tell the world about God's love. Let your light shine bright for Christ. Verse 14 says, but their minds were blinded for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. This is the relationship that we have uh, with God. We don't need to hide uh, or be secretive about our salvation. The veil is gone. We have a new covenant Our sins are forgiven, and we can have eternal life. I'm so thankful that we live in a place where we can freely worship the Lord. We can come here anytime we want. We can sing songs. We can worship him. Um, It's just so awesome that we get to do that. We get to sing songs. We get to pray out loud. Uh, We get to gather together as a church. I just can't imagine living somewhere where you couldn't do that, where you had to go into uh, basically a closet that had you know, no exposure to the outside world, just so you could pray, just so you could maybe uh, study the scripture with somebody. Um, I just, I'm I'm so thankful that we can do it here. You know, people walking by, they can just come in and have a seat. They don't need permission. <laughs> they don't need a a, a a personal invite. If they want to walk through that door, come sit down and listen, they can. And we're going to sing songs like we did earlier. We're going to pray like we did earlier, you know. I'm just so thankful that we have that opportunity. We have that place this place. Um, but I think also because we do, that kind of gives us a little bit of responsibility that, hey, you know what, because we do let's 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 take the most of those opportunities, and God will give us opportunities, He'll put things in our path, He'll put people in our path he'll put put circumstances in our path that gives us an opportunity to tell others about his love and um I, we always tell our kids, you know, when we're praying, usually before before we head off to school, hey, God, give us opportunities, but not just give us opportunities. Help us to take advantage of those opportunities to tell people, to pray for somebody, you know, anything that we can do just to be a light uh, to those people because you never know what impact you can have, even if it's just a minute or two. Um, and so I, I think really that's that's uh, the point Paul is is trying to make there. So let's finish up with the last two verses. It says in 17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or salvation. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now meaning, this is meaning, if we abide in Him, and He abides in us, our lives here on earth, our heart, which is what we were talking about back in verse 2, our heart will begin to change. And our desire to fulfill the greatest commandment, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as, as yourself, this desire to fulfill that will grow and it will become our pri- priority. And if our heart changes and our, our heart changes to the priority of living our life for Christ, all the Ten Commandments, all those other things will fall into place. Be bold, be confident when you're ministering to others, when when God gives you those opportunities. Be bold. Know that Christ is sufficient for us. He's sufficient for you, He's sufficient for me, He's sufficient for all of us. He will supply what we need, whenever it is we need Him. There's a verse in Romans that I love, um, And I think about it often whenever I'm encountering um, uh, any kind of difficult situation. It's Romans 8.31, and it says this, and I love this. It says, what then shall we say to these things? And this last part is the part that I really love. It says, if God is for us, who can be against us? How awesome is that? If God is for us, who could possibly be against us. Nobody, nothing. The enemy, nobody. Nothing can be against us if God is for us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for this time that we're able to spend in it. Lord, I just pray that you will begin and or continue your work in our heart, in our hearts, Lord. Please change us from the inside out Please mold us, please change our priorities, Lord, so that our focus in our life is you. Help us to be bold, Lord, in our life for you. Help us to be bold, help us to know that you are sufficient, you will supply what we need to live our lives for you. Lord, help us to seek your will and to look for opportunities to tell others about your love and your salvation. We thank you, Lord, so much. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.